as we continue to worship God. You know, our worship service is just from beginning to end. We're just in the spirit. We start out, we say hi to our neighbor in the spirit. We walk out of this place in the spirit. It's one service. There's no compartmentalizing it. God can interrupt at any time. Amen. And, I, and I'm sure he is. Between every word and every sentence, God is ministering. Amen? Amen. This morning, I want to speak to you on a word called imagine. I want you to really begin to know that God needs a people who have an imagination. God needs to use us in this day and in this hour. You've got to think outside the box. How many of you have ever heard that term? We've got to think outside the box. God made the box. God's outside the box. He's not in the box. God works outside the realm of time. And, and men's decisions and votes and ideas and political moves right and left. God works beyond all these things. There's something moving outside of God and you need to press into that and find it. And it's going to take the mind of faith to get there. So what I want to share with you is the word imagination. Imagine. Imagine is described 36 times in Scripture. Not all of it good. There's good imagination and there's vain imaginations or bad imaginations. But how many of you know God created mankind with an imagination before he fell? So if God designed it to have a power and a purpose in our lives. And so I want you to imagine it's releasing God-breathed vision into your world. Ideas come. Remember last week we studied ideologies. Ideologies form agendas. And so ideologies are formed in the mind of imagination. And in the mind of imagination, an ideology is formed and an ideology put to work as an agenda. And we studied that last week. And if you weren't here, you need to get that CD or go online and hear it. And this is a, a, a precursor to that. We're going back before the ideas into the realm of imagining. And a God-breathed imagination, that's what God needs from his church. Religion kills imagination. The spirit breathes it and breeds it. I like what uh, Einstein said. Smart man, but he didn't get everything right. But he said this, imagination is everything. It is the preview of life's coming attractions. Many times they motivate athletes who are at the starting gate. They say, imagine you winning at the end. And the power of that imagination gives them an idea that they could win, and they put it into an agenda to run as fast as they can. And so the imagination, it starts with a spark. It, it begins to cause you to step beyond time. How many of you know that God's got a plan for your life? I know the plans I have for you. A future, a promise to prosper. You've got to use your imagination for that. Amen? He says that I've got a plan for your future. Well, what do you imagine your future is? Are you Eeyore? Woe is me. You're going to walk like that? God's got my future in store. And so I can imagine. He says that we've become co-heirs with Christ, joint heirs with Christ Jesus to inherit all things. Come on. Put your imagination to work. And think about what we're going to inherit. This is coming attractions. Begin to imagine what this week can be like in Christ Jesus. Can you imagine that you can lead someone to Christ? That you could bring someone to the Lord? If you imagine that and you begin to walk in that, you're going to believe for it. And now you're going to look for the opportunity. And so it's the drawing board in your mind that you're letting the Spirit stir up. Einstein also said this, The true sign of intelligence is not knowledge, 
but imagination. Why? Again, imagination is the drawing board. You can try something and fail, but you can imagine something. I, Thomas Edison once said that he didn't create anything new. He just observed everything in nature and imagined how that function in nature could come to work in a mechanism. You see, so you need imagination so that you can begin to dream, begin to think, begin to feel. Einstein also said, logic will take you from A to B, but imagination will take you everywhere. Imagination is necessary in the spirit. When the Lord said, consider the lilies, when he said, consider the sparrow, when he began to speak in parables, what was he engaging the people in? Imagination. When he told a parable about heaven, they couldn't understand heaven. So he said, I want you to consider that there was a king and he had servants. Now, what goes on in their mind when he starts saying that? Their imagination kicks in. They imagine a king. They imagine servants. They imagine the story he tells them. You see, the Bible is an awesome picture book. I love the Bible. It is a creative book. It is a picture book. You open it up and it tells you stories. It's not about facts. It's about truth. You can have facts and not know the truth. We got a lot of folks who know facts about how the sun revolves and planets revolve and the earth spins. They got the facts. They got the numbers. But they're missing the truth of who put it in place. This isn't a book about facts, though it is factual. This isn't a book about facts. It's about a book about truth. And God wrote it in our imagination. It needs to tell stories. It's a living drama so that you get fully engaged in this thing. God didn't just say your sins are forgiven. God put on flesh and was beaten and bled and nailed to a cross so you could imagine the pain and suffering he went through so that you could imagine the scope of this love that God has for us. Because you can't even fathom, the Word of God says, the height or depth or width. But I needed something to latch on to. All I got is human love and that ain't good enough. I can't imagine God's love. He had to give me something that stirred my imagination. You could spend eternity considering the cross. How could an incomprehensible God put on this flesh and then die for me? Come on, imagine that. We need to ponder these things. When you read a story in the Word of God, you need to begin to ponder and consider and let your imagination set the scene. When Abraham was uh, with Sarah and and laughing that they're going to have a child. I I imagine that they're in the tent and and Abraham's uh, looking out to see, uh, uh, Sarah's looking out to see Abraham talking to the Lord and she's giggling and laughing and and the Lord says, so you think that's funny, huh? I mean, God's got a sense. This is a great story. It's one story after another. C.S. Lewis said this, He said the point that he's arguing is that while reason is the natural order of truth, imagination is the organ of meaning. It's it's beginning to understand the depth of something. A fact is plain and simple, but a story has layers and depth to it, doesn't it? 
We could preach for months on the creation account of Adam and Eve. All of the symbolism and depth of story in all of this. Story is so much better than ideas. It's the reality, it's the drama of reality and truth colliding. That's story. And that's where God invokes imagination and the people to imagine. And in your prayer life, you, be, you need to begin to engage your imagination. When you've read uh, Revelation 5 and, and you read that there is a throne and there is jasper all around the throne and there is a, a lake of glass, water so still and living creatures and, and four and twenty elders, what has to kick in? You've got to begin imagining this because you're trying to figure out what in the world this is all about. This is beyond the scope of human imagination. It, we have to begin to go and ponder. And God gives us these things so that you will engage your creativity. Now, how many of you know that there is power in imagination? There is evil in the imagination as well. Man has created so many kinds of weaponry. You want to understand something is that man is created in God's image. Man is a phenomenal creature. Phenomenal in his ability to consider, to think, to invent, to create, and to imagine. Now, what happens to a fallen man with that dangerous ability? It says... As Napoleon Hill said, the imagination is literally the workshop wherein are fashioned all plans created by man. And there's the one plan that was created by man, and that was the atom bomb. Genesis 6, 5 says this, God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. This is before the flood when destruction came. Consider that. Every thought of their imagination was evil. Now and then? No. Continually. What happens to the sinner whose imagination runs wild? It's called Hollywood. It's called American entertainment. This stuff's gone hog wild. We entertain ourselves with vain imaginations that involve every kind of degradation you can think of. Think of the ability of us to create. And what have we created with all of our science and ability? Greater ways to kill each other. The 20th century was the bloodiest, bloodiest century in all of human history. Hey, wait a minute. I thought the 20th century was the century of science. I thought science is our savior. I thought our technology and intelligence has put God to death. We don't need religion. We're sophisticated now. We're very scientific and smart. We can solve our own problems. What's our problem? Other people. We've learned to kill each other better and more efficiently. This is what our imaginations have done. What would happen if the people who had the spirit of life would begin to engage their imaginations, to begin creating societies and neighborhoods and inventions that would create blessing and beauty and creativity. What if 
our eyes were opened up in the spirit realm. Our eyes opened up to all that God put in creation. And we began to invent things based on creation that helped people instead of killed them. That's what happened to most of the inventions in medicine, most of the inventions in hospitals and for welfare and care of people. It came from Christians who were in the sciences, who were doctors, who were studying these things in nature to produce health and to break the curse, not to make it go further. It says, Paul said, that the reprobate mind, the reprobate mind, he says in Romans 1.32, God gave them over to a depraved mind. So when a depraved mind imagines, it says this, they not only continue to do these very things, and he lists all the sinful things, but they approve of those who practice them. A degraded imagination can do a lot of damage. How many of you know that? We've got 3% of the population ruling the land through their imaginations of what is right and wrong. Where's our imagination at? Where are we in our creativity to spread this gospel? Come on, folks, let's get, a, let's get creative here. Let's begin to move forward. Now, there is a righteous imagination. Let's, uh, I don't know if you've read anything from Calvin Miller, a great, very creative author, Christian man. He says, one door opens the world of the Spirit, that's imagination. Now, with a sanctified mind and a sanctified heart, you can let your imagination go into the realm of the Holy Spirit and begin to ask God. Take time at work when you're confused. Begin to worship God and begin to ask Him to speak to your imagination. You've got to deal with someone, a co-worker. You've got a problem that you have to handle. Ask God to give you an imagination to handle the situation. You have a problem you can't figure out. You don't know how to get that, that lug nut loose. You, you need to ask God, God, would you give me an imagination to understand how to give more torque on this thing? Begin to consider and use your imagination and your creativity. We've become mind numb. God needs a people who are creative. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8 says this, So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. What is this verse saying? Fix your eyes on unseen eternal things. That's what he's saying, right? How? I can't see them. Now, I mean, come on now. He says, fix your eyes. That's these things, right? Fix your eyes on eternal things that are unseen. That's a contradiction. That's crazy. I can't do that. Unsaved people can't. They only have their own imaginations. What he's saying is, believers, you need to begin your eye of the Spirit engaging in unseen things. Now that means you've got to start moving in the realm of the spiritual imagination. When God says He releases ministering spirits who minister to the saints of God, my, imagine, my imagination says there's angels seated all around this room right now. Seeing in the eye of the Spirit, there's angels everywhere that, that could be. There's, look at this. A whole front row. whole front row of them. Mighty and awesome. You imagine what happens when we begin worshiping God? And these angels, man, their wings are up. 
could you imagine? Maybe some seraphim showed up. See, you've got to begin engaging. What happens if they're here and, and they're, they're lifting your arms up? You're, you came in a little bit depressed this morning and you're just working. And, and those ministering spirits are here to minister to you like Aaron and her lifted up Moses' hands. You felt light all of a sudden. And you're lifting your hands up. And all of a sudden, one of them sent out. One of them goes right to do the very thing you asked God to do. And his word was sent out. And an angel, right out of these doors, man. Is that too much to imagine for? My word says it's true. The word of God says these things are happening. But if you keep your eyes on what's around you, right? How many of you remember the story of Elijah and his servant? He was scared. He looked out, servant opened the door, went to get the milk that morning, the newspaper, the, the Hebrew Times, and he opens the door and he looks and he goes, slams the door. Master, there's chariots surrounding us all. Elijah's sipping his tea. (laughs) Father, let him see the unseen with the eye of his imagination. Right? Now, he was able to break into the spirit realm and see. God gave him eyes to see that. But why can't we use our imagination to see what the Word of God says? His eyes were open. He saw chariots of fire. Changed his whole attitude. You need to begin believing this Word and seeing it. It's an unseen thing. It connects your faith to the reality of things. And it's not vain. It is real. Open up the doors of your heart. Imagination governed by the Word of God. Now let's not get loopy on it. Let's not get whacked out and crazy. But the imagination restrained by the Word of God can open up heavens and the realm of heaven is tremendous. A.W. Tozer said this. He said, what I'm trying to describe here is the sacred gift of seeing the ability to peer beyond the veil and gaze with astonished wonder upon the beauties and mysteries of things holy and eternal. So when you read the Word of God, you've got to say, Father God, would you begin to speak to me, speak to my spirit, and begin to open up my imagination. Play me the movie of what I'm reading. And you begin to let that thing engage and ponder and meditate on it. Amen? And let that word. You don't need TV. You don't need Cecil B. DeMille. You've got Cecil B. De Spirit. I don't know if that's his name, Cecil, but it's Holy B. De Spirit. That's what you've got. You don't need this other stuff. We could spend hours meditating on the Word of God if you would unlock your imagination. People, we've been stifled. We've been stymied. We've, we've lost the ability to comprehend beyond. What if I told you for a week, I want you to imagine what this number of people could do. Jesus took 12 and he knew that this, this great commission will be done. What do you think? He saw into the realm of time that these 12 could do this thing. He said, all power is given unto me in heaven and earth below the earth. Now go. Send 12 outs. It's the number of government. He knew. 
that throughout history and time that this would spread and spread and move and move and move and move and accomplish the Great Commission. He knew this. He saw this. What could we do in a week? Look at how many people here. More than 12, more than 100. Start imagining. Start imagining. What could we do? Could we change this society? Could we change this community? Could we? Could we change the businesses around us? Could we change the industries? Could we shut down abortion clinics? Could we close the bars? Because the anointing of God is here? Use your imagination. What can you do at work? What can you do differently? How can you change your, your attitude of your mind and the way you wake up every day and what you do in and out of every day? We've become zombies, people. We've become zombies. Because we've shut everything down in all creativity. Christians should be the most creative people there are. We've got to figure out this problem. Go get Steve. He's a believer. Go get Joanne. She's, I see her pray. Well, why should we call her? Because she's crazy with ideas. That's what I'm talking about. And I'll tell you, I want you to see this key verse that we're talking about in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. King James says, Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly. So I just like that combination of words. I just think that that is so cool. Exceeding's not enough. To exceed something is to go beyond what you could comprehend. But not only are you going to exceed beyond what you comprehend, you're going to do it abundantly. Exceedingly and abundantly above all that we ask or, I like the NIV here, Imagine, King James says think, all that we could ask or think, but in reality what it's saying is all that we could ask or what? Imagine. According to his power that is at work within us. Now break this down a minute, break it down. Unto him who is what? He's able. He's able. We can stop right there. He's able. He is able. Now, if we stop it, he is able. What that means is our need will be met. Right? If we just start up, stop at able, he is able to meet our needs. Thank God. And that's where most of our imagination stop. I'm satisfied if you just answer this prayer. God, I got a bill to pay. Could you answer this pay to pay this bill? And, and we'll stop there and he's able. But it doesn't stop there. He's able to do what? Immeasurably more. So much more than we've been asking for. And we limit God. We, we shrink him into this little box and we say, God, do this, do that. Listen, God says, make this thing entertaining for me. When he answers a prayer, he wants to do exceeding abundantly above what you're asking. He wants to involve 20 or 30 other people from around the globe to shift and change that this answer that he's going to bring to you is going to affect you, your children, your grandchildren, and all the neighbors that are going to live next to your great-grandchildren. Because it will have a ripple effect in time. And God wants to do something awesome. But this is our problem. This is our problem. Because we ask him to do A and B, he does A and Z, and we miss it. We say, oh, God didn't answer my problem. God didn't answer my prayer. Because I'll tell you why you didn't think he's answering your prayer. Because he's doing exceedingly abundantly above 
what you have asked, but hold on now, hold on, hold on, more than what you asked, but even more than what you could what? Now, I want you to begin to imagine the wildest answer to your prayer. Come on, have fun with this thing. The wildest answer to your prayer. Not only would you save my marriage, but I would fall in love with my mate again. Wow. Not only would I... You're looking at me stunned. (laughs) No, it's possible. Is is this what you're stunned about? (laughs) That I would not only fall in love with my mate, I would be inseparable from her or him. And that the rest of our life would be a honeymoon. Come on, ask it and imagine. Look it. I said about your wife, right, or your husband, you're married, so go ahead, imagine anything you want with that. Entertain yourself. And what's God going to do? What's he going to do? Exceeding abundantly above what you have just asked or imagined. See, put God to the test. Ask God to answer a prayer, but imagine the most craziest way he could answer it, and he's going to do better than that because he says he will answer our prayers exceeding abundantly above all that you ask or could even what? Imagine how, according to the what? Power that is at work where? In us. In us. Engage. Engage in this thing. Begin to get into your prayer closet. Get into your prayer time and begin to... Put your imagination to work. Oh, our prayers are so boring. Father, save Sylvia. And then help Gladys heal her foot. Really? What? Wow. Come on. Let's get crazy. God, not only heal her foot, heal Gladys' marriage, heal her household. I see over that house the demonic forces. Pull them down, Lord God. Send your ministering spirits to send bazookas to shoot the wings off of them demons. Is that all right? Oh, Pastor Tim, you're just being silly now. No, I'm not. I'm being fully engaged. I'm telling you, when you do warfare, you need an imagination. Have you ever read the descriptions of demons? Huh? These crazy beasts that got heads of lions and wings like locusts and tails that sting? Come on! Then I need an imagination to fight these stinking beasts. And in the spirit realm, you begin speaking it out, you begin declaring it. Again, let's get excited, people. Let's get engaged. Let's get imaginative. My God's going to do better than your crazy wild imagination. We lose so many youth because we think this is worship. And they're out of dance clubs going, yeah, woo, 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 hallelujah, having a blast, having a good old time, and then they come to church. 
What, do you want dance music in the church? No, but what I'm saying is these young people have a mind that want to be engaged. They want to be captivated by the living creatures around the throne. They want to be captivated by stories of people who were delivered, whose limbs have stretched out and their bodies were healed. And they say, I was in prison and now I'm here. I was saved. I was healed. I was a drug addict for 30 years. But that high can't compare to what I have now. Catch their imagination. We've lost so many to Hollywood and so many to New York and so many to the clubs because they've got so much to offer, but no one wants to hear it because it might offend our religious disciplines. That's what Jesus kept doing. He kept blowing the minds of the Pharisees. He kept busting loose with an imagination. I saw Satan falling like lightning. Really? We did that? Yeah. He was excited. So, according to the power that's working you. So, bottom line, Ephesians 3.20 is asking one question. Imagine what God can do with you. Unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or can imagine, according to the power that's at work in us. Therefore... Our imagined purpose and will put to work by the power in us will accomplish great things. So imagine what God's going to do with you. Imagine. Imagine. DI graduates, did you imagine that you'd, you'd be out of school in two years? You imagine you made it through? Some of you were scared to death about tests and giving speeches, and you did it. You did it. Many of you here today... You've been on missions trips. How many of you thought you'd end up in Israel, end up in Pakistan? Nobody's going to Pakistan. We are. Imagine that. Imagine what God's going to do as you're out into the neighborhoods and you're doing all sorts of things. What can God do with you? People engage your imagination. Begin to believe. Begin to believe. Begin to believe. You are going to be used by God. Only one in four believe that they're living up to their creative potential. Miles Monroe once said this, the graveyard is the richest soil in all the earth because in it are all the dreams of those who cured cancer, those who had an answer for every problem, those who had inventions that never saw them come to the light of day. They're buried in the graveyard with all their dreams and ideas that never came to pass because they didn't engage and making it happen. Are you living up to your creative potential? You can, if you would imagine what God can do with you. Let's bow our heads.